The information provided in this program is not intended to substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek the advice of your personal physician or other qualified healthcare professional before changing your healthcare treatment, diet, or lifestyle. Hi, I'm Candace Michelle, and welcome to another segment of Our Community. If you listen to my interviews, you're probably aware that I'm usually a bit negative about our health care options here in Brookings. I believe we are hugely underserved here with nowhere near enough traditional health care professionals to adequately cover our population. Heightened levels of care require us to travel out of town to the Medford Valley, north to Coos Bay, or south to Eureka. There is another avenue for some of us. Pursuing non-traditional care like chiropractic, therapeutic massage, acupuncture, and acupressure, to name a few. And we do have some amazing practitioners in these fields living and working here. The problem with non-traditional medicine in a small rural community like ours is that often folks don't know much about the various therapies and get warned off of them by their primary care doctors. My guest today is a practitioner of acupuncture and acupressure, Forrest Amston. Forrest is going to explain acupuncture, its origins and history, what it is, and how and why it works. Welcome to the show, Forrest. Thank you, Candace. I uh, appreciate appreciate inviting me on today. <laughs> it's really looking great forward to have to you here. Usually, <laughs> I mean, I, I in, you know, full full disclosure here, so. Forrest actually sees me. I'm I'm one of his clients. So, you know, I go in to see Forrest and he sticks me with needles every few weeks. And <laughs> so I can't tell you how delightful it is to see Forrest and not being stuck with needles. Really... It can always be arranged. I got some in <laughs> the car. Of course you brought them with you. Of course you did. You and, never know. And one of the delightful things about Forrest... Um, I mean, he's just, he's just got this great personality, right? I'm sure you. Oh, tell. thank you, thank you, Candace. <laughs> but you know, we we trade barbs back and forth. Oh, barbs! That was kind of a <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended. Yeah. yeah. And he's always telling me that he's going to get out the bigger needles, and you know, he's but he's totally delightful, and and I'm just I'm just thrilled to have you here for us because yeah. really. I don't think people know much about acupuncture, don't understand it, you know, all of that stuff. So yeah. we'll get into that. Um, first, I want to know a little bit about you. Sure. You know, kind of where were you born and raised? When did you come to Brookings? What your schooling is? Sure. Yeah. So I, uh, I was born in Portland, Portland, Oregon. And wow, you're an Oregon guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but my parents moved to Modesto when I was about a year old, Modesto, California. Oh, yeah. Central Valley. Oh, yeah, hot. Much, much different, hot, yep. kind of polluted, not not actually my favorite spot. But um, anyways, I lived there until I was about 13. That's where my dad's, my dad is a medical doctor, so mm -hmm. that's where his practice was. And uh, then I went to high school in Los Angeles. Wow, that's a big change. Yeah, yeah, it was a big change. Um where? Yeah. Where were you? Um, Palos Verdes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, you know, a very nice area. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. 
school is the school system is definitely better there and stuff. So that's why my parents wanted to go down yep. there, closer to my mom's family. Yeah, stuff. Yep. So, and then I went to I went to my undergrad at UC Berkeley. So Ooh. I lived in Berkeley for I guess four to five years, something like that. Great place. As I'll get into later, I withdrew a few times. So it took me a little more than four years. But anyways, then eventually I went to grad school in back in Portland, Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Oregon College of Oriental Medicine. That's the that's where I got my master's in acupuncture and oriental medicine. And then uh yeah, probably I don't know, a year after the pandemic started is when I came back to Brookings. My dad practices here. I lived here in twenty fifteen, so I just always really liked the area. Mm-hmm. I haven't been a big fan of, you know, the big cities, basically. No. And, no you know, also is a good spot for, um, you know, my business, for my practice. There's there's not too many other people doing it in town, and most of them are quite busy as it is, actually. Yeah. So, and as Candace said, the area is very underserved. Way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Way underserved. Yeah. I work out of a massage clinic, Redwood Massage and Wellness. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're always booked. Yep. You know, people ask, how, how can I get in? They, yep. They'll walk in trying to get one, which in a lot of areas you could do. Right. But not, not here. You got to yeah. get on the list. I mean, And sometimes are, they're yeah. two and three months out. Yeah, they could easily be two, three months yeah. out. So. Yeah. Of course, even a regular doctor is two or three months out. Here. Totally. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It is. It just doesn't seem like, come on, people. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if it's the, just there's no, the shopping. <laughs> yes, my mom, it's the shopping's not that good here. I yeah, don't know. No. It just, it's not, it's not for everybody. No. Um, no. Brookings, but you know, we like No, if we you like, like it, to shop so. until you drop, Brookings <laughs> is not the place. <laughs> no, it's better for rock hunting, you know, rock yes. hunting at the beach. It's pretty yes. nice for that. Yes, so. and hiking and, <laughs> yeah. and the, yeah, yeah the it rivers is. and everything else. Well, it's great to have you here. It really is. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank so you. how did you get interested in Eastern medicine? Because that's <laughs> kind of what acupuncture is, right? It's yes. kind of an Eastern. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, um, yeah, I want to get a bit later. I'll get into more, you know, acupuncture, Chinese medicine, mm-hmm. what, what is all of it and things like that. But, you know, practically speaking, I got interested in it maybe, I think it was 20. 2010, 2011, and, uh, you know, part of my history is I've had a lot of drug and alcohol addiction in the past, and honestly, I first started using it for hangovers. Like, my, you know, I'd have hangovers. I'd go to the community clinic and the community acupuncture clinic, and I, I realized it fixed them really fast. Wow. I would get the acupuncture, and then I would go, I would get some spicy, like, Indian food or something, and I... I mean, my hangover was basically gone after that. So that's that. <laughs> amazing. Okay, I mean, I think that's legitimate. <laughs> but one time, I had this—I had this person giving me acupuncture. This uh, this lady, you know, and she—I was talking with her a little bit, and I forget exactly what her comment was, but basically, it's something that along the lines of, you know, if you keep if you keep drinking and doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting these results and you're going to keep feeling bad. In fact, you're going to start feeling a lot worse. Yeah. You know, at the time I was 21, 22, so I didn't really know. I didn't know anything about aging whatsoever. I mean, I'm 34 now, but um, yeah. yeah. Anyways, it starts taking a toll. So I remember that comment. Eventually I met my... uh, I mean, basically, my, he's a very good friend of mine still, and I mean, he's really my mentor and my teacher. He was um, 
He was from Taiwan and he knew a lot about many things, but one of them being Chinese medicine. He had a lot of digestive problems when he was very young, so he knew a lot of Chinese doctors and he eventually learned a lot about Chinese medicine in general, although he never went to official schooling for it. And, mm -hmm. and uh, of course, in China, I mean, a lot of this is very... Um, it's part of the culture, you know, certain things are just part of the part of the culture, a lot of it being Chinese medicine. Of course, they're not all, you know, official doctors, but a lot of this information sort of gets passed down. Um, Seems like it's like a, a, a more healing oriented yeah. philosophy, like, yeah. like Western medicine seems to be kind of like, let's give you a pill or let's operate on you or something like that, whereas Eastern just feels different. It yeah. I think that, um, I mean, it's a big question as far as the difference between the, you know, Western medicine, you know, Western philosophy and Eastern philosophy as broad categories, as well as, you know, Western or biomedicine, really, you know, the type of medicine that most people think about in the United States, biomedicine and Chinese medicine, or, you know, maybe Ayurvedic medicine, which is more Indian. So these are they're all, of course, in a way, they all have the same goal, which is to help people to, you know, eliminate disease, basically, right. you know, eliminate suffering is the main goal. I would say that um, as practiced, as thought about in the United States, Western medicine is very symptom focused. Right. You know, it's very much, you have a headache, let's get rid of the headache. Um, you know, if you have what comes to mind is the gallbladder right now. I've had a few patients with gallbladder problems recently and, you know, they went to the hospital basically with gallbladder attacks. It almost feels like a heart attack sometimes and has some of the same symptoms and they just want to pull out the gallbladder. You know, the gallbladder is a problem. Let's just uh, let's take out the gallbladder. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not making a statement as to whether that was correct or not in that particular situation, but that is sort of the, that's the philosophy and mindset that, um, a lot of Western medical practitioners. It's giving you trouble, you just have. pull it out. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. with the gallbladder, you can pull it out. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, um, well, it eliminates the problems that that gallbladder was causing. Right. But it does, it does not eliminate anything else. And it also removes all the positive things that the gallbladder, you know, may or may not have been doing. So, right. so there is another approach then absolutely yeah i mean i would say that um kind of paraphrasing my my teacher here my other teacher who you know um my official teacher at, at college he said that really the main difference between chinese medicine and western medicine is what we call pattern differentiation so in chinese medicine we really try to we try to differentiate the patterns that are going on in somebody's body, you know, so that can be, um, you know, for example, I was just talking about the gallbladder. Mm -hmm. um, one pattern that we look at would be something called liver chi stagnation. You know, the, li the liver and gallbladder are considered a pair. The Those two organs in Chinese medicine are considered a pair. So when we talk about liver chi stagnation, it kind of incorporates the gallbladder as well. But that's one pattern that probably doesn't mean much to most of the people listening. So the liver, um, well, it's a very important organ in Chinese medicine. It's said to be responsible for what we call the qi circulation. So that brings us to the next 
concept of what what is chi, right? What is chi? Is it this mystical thing? Is it supernatural? Can we detect it? Um, I would say it's not it's not supernatural. The translation of energy um, was done, I don't know, a few hundred years ago. You know, when they translated chi to energy, it's not necessarily the best translation. And chi is sort of a complicated concept. But if we look at the character for it, the picta, you know, Chinese, the, the language is pictographic. Right. It's, uh, it's rice with the pot over the rice and steam coming off of the pot. So that is what chi is pictographically. Right. So it's, um, it's all of those things. It's not just the steam. It's not just the rice and it's not just the pot. And, you know, presumably there's a flame under this pot as yes. well, right? <laughs> Although it's not necessarily found in the, in the picture. Right. But um, I think what I, the concepts that I think about and other people think about when it comes to chi is, um, is change uh, or transformation or, um, and I mean, energy is part of all of those things as well. Movement you know, reaction. Those are all things that we think about with, um, with chi. So, so if you talk about the chi in the liver being, being stagnant, stagnant yeah. that, and the liver is a, a filtering device it for, for yes. your body. So it is, yes. if it's stagnant, then it's not doing what it needs to be doing. Exactly. Yes. It's, um, and see here, we kind of fall into the first the first issue we have, which is translation, and it's it's a major issue. And you know, frankly, I I grapple with this all the time with patients because I try to explain as best as I can to people what what I'm doing. You know, what are we doing here? Yeah, you know, like, right. what, like why am I <laughs> why am poking. I putting these needles? Why am I putting <laughs> these needles here? Why am I giving yeah. you these herbs? Why am I doing this acupressure cupping? Whatever right. modality we are using, why are um, why, why am I doing it? Right. And so, but there's a big translation problem because the liver in Western medicine has, you know, very specific functions and very, very specific placement. That's one really interesting thing to think about, which is that in Western medicine and biomedicine and science, the liver, I mean, we can take out, you know, we can uh, say, say we have a cadaver, we can take out their liver and we can mm -hmm. put it on the table and it's that would be a relatively straightforward process you know you right. cut here you cut here you take out the liver here it is on the table let's take a look at the liver that's not the chinese medicine liver um and the reason is is because and it's not not the chinese medicine liver because mm -hmm. the liver in chinese medicine incorporates all the functions of the liver which can right. go throughout the entire body they do go throughout the entire body right which means that you cannot you cannot simply remove the liver. And it's the same with the gallbladder. People ask me all the time, oh, I have my gallbladder taken out. So I don't have a gallbladder channel, right? Wrong. You do have a gallbladder channel. You probably have some problems in your gallbladder. Yeah. Because of that surgery. Because the organ is missing, <laughs> yes. but you still have a gallbladder channel. Interesting. Of course, you can't remove the heart. I mean, there's certain organs you cannot right. remove. Um, but right. those channels are still there. Uh-huh. Or what we call channels. So... And, Fascinating. As you can see, I keep talking. There's more potential confusion. But the main point I'm trying to get across here is that you, you cannot make a one-to-one -one correlation between, oh, I, I went to, you know, I went to school and I studied anatomy. And so I know, you know, Forrest is saying this, I have liver cheese stagnation. So that means that my, this liver that I'm thinking about, that I learned about in anatomy class, that has a, you know, that has a problem. Right. It's not necessarily true. You mm -hmm. know, what we're, 
But really what we're looking at is this, what is the pattern that creates that? And those are different, um, a different set of things that I look at mm-hmm. that make me think that somebody has that, you know, pattern. And it's all about patterns, you know? So it can be, um, yeah, spleen chi deficiency. That's another one. So it's what spleen energy deficiency. And again, the spleen, it, it's not the spleen of Western medicine. In my opinion, it right. incorporates a lot of the pancreases, the Western pancreases functions. Right. And the spleen is very critical to digestion in Chinese medicine, where in, in the West, it's more of a, you could take out the spleen. Exactly. No problem, you know. I think right. it's more to do with immunology and things like that. So it's not extremely important, but uh, in Chinese medicine, it's half of the digestive system. You have the stomach and you have the spleen. Wow. So the stomach is said to basically break stuff down. The energy goes down with the stomach and the spleen energy goes up. And when it when we're saying that energy goes up, what it really means is it's transforming and transporting all of the nutrients that the digestive system mm-hmm. is breaking down. It's transforming and transporting all of that to various different organs and um, areas in the body. And so, you know, speaking of the stomach, pe- a lot of people have acid reflux. We call that um, rebellious stomach chi. <laughs> yeah, it's re- and why is it rebelling? It's supposed to, yeah, it's supposed yes. to go down, right? Yeah. The energy is supposed to go down. Really, it's yeah. not going down. It's right. going up. So, but the thing is, back to Western medicine, you know, a lot of people just say, oh, "We'll take an antacid." You know, take some, right. take some omeprazole. Take this. Right. And that's gonna, and yes, it may fix that problem of mm-hmm. that stomach acid. You may stop feeling that symptom, but it's almost certainly not going to fix the root cause. To be honest, fascinating because the root cause. Um, could be a variety of different things. Mm-hmm. That's really the the point of uh, Chinese medicine is we're trying to we're essentially trying to derive what are the pattern, what is the pattern, or what are the patterns that are going on in this um, in this particular patient's body. Because it's all about balance. communication, Absolutely. right? I mean, the whole body is communicating yes. within itself. Yes, and some of the communication might be going askew, as it were. Absolutely. Yeah, and those two patterns are often connected. Liver chi stagnation and rebellious stomach chi, those two patterns you see together all the time. Wow. And it's because the liver energy, mm-hmm. um, if it's stuck, that mm-hmm. that energy circulates everywhere, like I said. So that yep. means that the most likely place of attack actually um, is the spleen and the stomach. Fascinating. Yeah, so, and I would say I, I see very, very few healthy digestive systems. Very, very few. And not yeah. a lot of people. Mine isn't. I not mean, a lot I, of people <laughs> complain yeah. when they first come in about digestive problems. Mm-hmm. Usually, people come in for back pain, shoulder right. pain, neck pain. They want me to treat that, and then later it comes out. Oh yeah, I have acid reflux. I yep. have I have these different digestive problems. Um, it's and I think it's a modern problem. Just it's generally low grade, constant stress, whether it's school or our jobs. Um, Whatever it is, I believe our way of life is somewhat unnatural and just very stressful mm-hmm. for people. Um, so I, I see very, very few people who have healthy digestive systems and healthy and liver chi. food. I mean, we, we yeah, don't that's eat the, the greatest <laughs> food in the world, yeah. you know? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, um, yeah, the food quality is, I would say, pretty bad and people, you know, frankly pick the wrong things. And that's something that we always address. And that kind of, that really brings me to a major point of um, Chinese medicine 
And But first, I wanted to say that I, I think most Western doctors would recognize this too if you ask them about it directly. They would say, if you ask them, you know, how compliant are patients about following your recommendations mm-hmm. as far as lifestyle change? Mm-hmm. And I, I, know my, I know what my dad would say, and I definitely know what a lot of doctors would say, which is that they they generally don't listen. And a lot of what it is, in my opinion, is that the doctors are sort of jaded mm-hmm. and they don't want to waste their time trying to convince somebody to do something that 95% right. of the time they're not going to do. So then it is the pills, then it is the surgery, right. then it is these different, you know, these different, these different things that most people recognize are probably not going to fix the root cause of the problem. You but know? they actually don't care about the root cause, right? They just, they mostly people care about the symptoms. Exactly. Make the symptoms totally. go away. I don't want my stomach to hurt. Yes. I don't want my neck to hurt. Exactly. I don't want my head hurt. Yeah. Exactly. And the thing is, uh, on a surface level, that makes sense. I mean, you're going to right. a doctor or, you know, me, I'm not a doctor. I'm, um, I mean, I'm a Chinese medicine practitioner, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, an acupuncturist. But they're coming to us, people are coming to us to stop a, usually a particular symptom or a series of symptoms that they don't want anymore. You know? Right. And that is our job to help them make those go away. I mean, that's why they're paying us and that's why, right. you know, this is our profession. So, but I think that the issue partly connects to our culture, honestly, which is that we want a quick fix. Yes. And that quick fix mentality is actually spreading all over the world. It's in Taiwan, it's in China, it's everywhere. Um, not that I'm saying we're the whole problem, you know, but I mean, yeah. whatever, what, wherever that came from, this yeah. quick fix, I need it now. Yeah. People in Taiwan love Western medicine, Chinese. Oh, I mean, dear. they now Chinese medicine is the old way. It's the tra- yeah. traditional way. It's the suit and tie. You know, you're from a very conservative family. You're going to go study Chinese medicine. Wow. It's old school. Yeah. We're here. It's the hippy dippy people. It's so <laughs> exactly. these are a bunch of weird. I mean, everyone knows. I went. They say I went to Berserkly. I'm the crazy guy who <laughs> yes. does the you know the Chinese medicine, the yep. weird stuff. Yep. In China and Taiwan, it's very very traditional. Yeah, nowadays, every, you know, most, I think most parents probably want their kids to go to Western medicine school. It's actually general, I would say probably more respected. But anyways, yeah, the pills and the shot, just give me a oh, yeah. shot, Absolutely. fix it. And um, yep. to some extent, what we get what we deserve as a, we get what we ask for. Yes. Yeah, we yeah. get what we ask for as a, as a people, so. And if we've yeah. lost sight of the fact that the the whole mechanism is involved yeah. that you know if you have a headache it's not it's not just your head that's i mean it your head is acting out <laughs> no, yeah. no doubt but it's yes. your entire mechanism is off yes absolutely in fact there might i want to read something but first i want to say if, a saying that my teacher used to always say which is that if you really want to insult an acupuncturist you say you say that when a patient comes in with a headache, they put a needle in the patient's head. Okay, that, that's an insult. That's an insult. And, and the reason okay. is is because it's I'm going to use that the next so time black I come and white, in. You know, like, <laughs> does it does it mean there's in, there's no points in the head that are good for headache? No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying that you got to look at the big picture. Right. Got to and in the reality is a lot of the best headache points are not in the head. Actually, I mean they're yeah you're they're signaling like, the, the two the main ones in the hands. Thing. Yeah, absolutely. There's some good and. And there's different types of headaches. There's a mm-hmm. frontal headache. There's, you know, a headache more on the side. That's more of a gallbladder headache or a liver headache. Liver yes. headache is often behind the eyes. The bladder headache is, you know, on the occiput, you know, kind of. Right. 
behind the head. So those are all different, you know, different headaches. Um, uh, frankly, some of the main points are good for all of them. Like the one you just indicated is it's pretty rare where that one won't. Right. Um, but again, in that case, we're more treating the symptom, which you can do in Chinese medicine. Someone could come in for a headache. I mean, I could throw in probably six needles. It'll fix 95% of the headaches to walk through my clinic, but I'm good practitioner will try to figure out where is that coming from? Why are they getting those headaches? What imbalance is, um, right. is causing that? I want back to your question. Yep. I just wanted to yep. read something. So this is from, this is from the Huangdi Neijing, which is, um, it literally means the yellow emperor's treatise on Chinese medicine, okay. basically. And it's a, I think it's, it's probably close to 2,000 years old, wow. at least 1,000. It's pretty old. So it says, during his reign, Huangdi, the emperor, had discussions concerning medicine, health, lifestyle, nutrition, Taoist cosmology with his ministers, including Chibo. Chibo is the, the other guy who's going to be talking here, and others. Their first conversation began with Huangdi asking, I've heard that in the days of old, everyone lived 100 years without showing the usual signs of aging. In our time, however, people age prematurely, living only 50 years. Is this due to a change in the environment, or is it because people have lost the correct way of life? And Chibo, who's a physician, replied, In the past, people practiced the Tao, the way of life. They understood the principle of balance as presented by the transformations of the energies of the universe. They formulated exercises to promote energy flow to harmonize themselves with the universe. They ate a balanced diet at regular times, arose and retired at regular hours, avoided overstressing their bodies and minds, and refrained from overindulgence of all kinds. They maintained well-being of body and mind, thus it is not surprising that they lived over 100 years. Um, then it goes on to describe basically all of our imbalances, you know, the opposite of what he just mentioned, all right. these destructive things that we are doing. And really what it's getting at is kind of the thing that none of us want to hear. And I, I didn't want to hear it when that lady told me at the community clinic that I was causing my problems, but I was, I was causing my problems. And the truth is 99% of the problems that, you know, I see in my clinic and you know what most doctors see is caused by things that we are doing it's caused by our lifestyle our habits what we're eating all of these different things of course there are exceptions but those exceptions are generally accidents you know or right. you know severe you know um, genetic defects which are um, you know it's it's a shame that those things happen but i mean that's not that's not something that we can control what we can control is our habits and that's causing I mean, in my opinion, it's 99% of the problems. And people don't want to change their habits. No. They they just don't. They're they're comfortable. And, uh, you know, I, me too. I me mean, too. I, you me know, too. I totally I don't want get to. it. <laughs> I want to eat chocolate when I want to eat chocolate. Totally. And totally. don't tell me I can't eat chocolate. Yes. But my body, I mean, yeah. my stomach and my intestines have a real strong opinion yeah. about me eating chocolate. Absolutely. I mean, I'm... I'm the same way, and I tell people that. I mean, as I've said, I've had a, I've had a lot of problems, you know, before in my life. Mm -hmm. I certainly have a lot less now, but mm -hmm. I still I've always liked to stay up late. Yeah. For example, I, yeah. In my mind, I think the best, or I, you know, I have yeah. the best ideas. I feel, you know, it's really quiet, etc. I'm a night owl, but the thing is, like, you know, what that's really bad for the liver. The liver just hate. <laughs> liver hates that. <laughs> The liver, each organ has a, has a time and the liver's time is 11 to one, 11 
p.m. to 1 a.m. That's the prime time for regeneration of the liver. And that's when it wants to be asleep? That's when it wants to be asleep, exactly. Wow. So not asleep during that time. It, oh, honey. Not every hour of sleep is equal. I need to apologize yeah. to my poor liver. <laughs> yeah, so not, not every hour of sleep is equal. You know, and you, see, and you see it with people who have nighttime or nighttime jobs, you know, mm -hmm. and they sleep during the day. They, they almost right. always have major problems. There's huh. no, you know, and they pay them more to do it. They pay people more money to do right. that type of stuff. But it's, um, it's very damaging to the health. Wow. No matter what, you know, wow. I mean, you can, you can't fight just as Chibo is saying, you can't fight the energies of nature. You know, the, the sun, the moon, the. Right. They're bigger all, than us. All, all these cycles, they're bigger than yep. us and as strong and as knowledgeable and powerful as humans have become, you know, it's it's just not, um, it's nothing compared to the environment. And at least from the perspective of Chinese medicine, you have to live within the harmony of nature to get the, to get the best results for our health. So let's yeah. talk a little bit about acupuncture yeah. because yeah. Um, I think, I think a lot of people don't even know what it is. Um, I mean, I'm not certain I actually know what it is, and I come in and get it done on a regular basis. Yes. So what is it, Boris? Yeah, so I think, um, I'm trying to think of which way I want to go first. You know, I could, the, the philosophical way, or do you want me to just give the direct, you know, some of the best Western points of view, for example, and then we go you more the philosophical Do whatever way. you want to <laughs> do, whatever you're most comfortable yeah, with. Yeah, so... I would say that, well, first first to talk about it, we have to talk about what perspective we're looking at it from, you know, and, you know, how old is Chinese medicine and acupuncture? So I actually did a little bit of research on it before I came here because I wanted to give a better answer. So, mm -hmm. and I was going to say, you know, I've heard people say 5,000 years old or 3,000, you know, but 2,000 is the most provable. So that's still a really old. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 2,000 years? Yeah, I think the Huangdi Neijing, I think, is from 200. The the book I quoted, that's from 200, you know, before before the common era, B BCE. Yeah. So um, that would be wow. around 2,200 years old. Wow. But check this out. I'm reading this book. Uh, anybody really wants to answer this question from a Western perspective, you should check out this book, The Spark and the Machine. Um, I'm, I'm not affiliated with it. At all. In fact, I haven't even read all of it, and I'll I'll get into why I don't Who's care as much as the average person later about that question. Like, why does it work? But yeah. this book will give you a very clear answer to that question from more of a Western perspective. Who's the author of that? Um, Doctor Daniel Kyon, okay. K E O W N. Okay, great. And he's got a bunch of titles here: M B C H B L I C A C. So. Anyways, very yes. well credentialed. It's it's a very popular book. Mm -hmm. But he says that there's this guy, Otzi, who was found in the... This Otzi is relatively famous, too. I think he, he was found in a Swiss glacier. Oh. And actually, he had... A, when, the, um, when it was published on the internet, this guy's basically body, this guy's Otzi was found, this acupuncture noticed that he had markings on acupuncture points that could treat low back pain. So he told some of the scientists who, you know, were investigating Otzi, this guy who was, who's actually 30, he's from 3200 BC. Um, and he had um, arthritis in his low back and he had markings on his body that were, wow. uh, could be used to treat low back pain, to treat yeah. low back arthritis, et cetera. So 
I mean, in my opinion, wow. it, it's impossible to say for sure. It's probably 5,000 plus years old. Yeah. Um, wow. And of course, it's it's evolved over time. But the point is, you know, modern medicine is very young and science, I mean, the way that we look at it now is relatively young too. Of course, you know, people have been practicing some form of science for a long time. And in my opinion, Chinese medicine is in a way its own form of science. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the Part of the dilemma we get into um, when we're studying Chinese medicine or asking about it here in the in the West, you know, um, is that the Western philosophy is very reductionistic. You know, we're trying to reduce it down to one thing. Like, why does this thing work? You know, and we see it with our drugs too. You know, our pills. A lot of them are plants, and we're what's the active ingredient? What is this thing actually? What is actually causing this effect? Let's pull it out. You know, I mean, we've done it with everything, um, you know. Yeah, anyways, yeah. that's that's often what we have done. And it's a viable approach, you know. But the thing is, um, unless you've considered a different perspective, it's so pervasive in our society that we just take it for granted that we're, we have to figure out what is actually causing this thing, you know. And if you can't give me that answer, then it's not real or you can't prove it, you know, right. something like right. that. And I think that, the Chinese, or I should say just the Eastern philosophies in general, I believe are more inductive, meaning mm -hmm. they take these variables, they take these observations, and they try to make a more general mm -hmm. truth about it. You right. know? And one example that we were talking a little bit before the show started, I was talking about this, you know, how do we know that the sun is going to rise tomorrow? You know, and I think you know, I've been to I've been to Taiwan, I've been to China, I've talked to monks, and I could hear I could see them just kind of laughing and just be like, I mean, it's it's going to rise tomorrow, probably. You know, I mean, we don't know for sure. It's in the future. You know, the exactly. same way that I There's probably no will be alive know. tomorrow, but I don't know right. for sure. Right. And you know why it happens. Um, you know, they may find it interesting or they may not. Right. Why Why spend time thinking about that? You know that that is a legitimate question you mm -hmm. know i mean why spend all this time thinking mm -hmm. about why or you know how does the sun you know rise how does this thing happen of course in the <laughs> in the west you know with our reductionist thinking and our you know with science we have to prove why is it going to rise yeah. how is it going to rise right. what are the laws what are the mathematical you know variables in fact we can calculate you know we could look up right now on our phones exactly when it will rise tomorrow at this particular location and that and I would say that they're both very valid points of view and they're, they're both very valid philosophies. Um, I think the issue I have is that I don't think it's fair to, um, to say that if you can't prove something that it's not real, first of all, and that also you could argue that you, some things you simply can't reduce down to one variable. You know, and as far as science is concerned in physics, we're, we've run into that problem with quantum mechanics, you know, it's like, oh, is that a particle or is it a wave? Well, it's, it's both and it's, it's, uh, but how could that be? You know and I mean? That's the thing. There's no, um, there's no logical answer. You know, you observe something and it changes. That's, that's odd, right? Like how does my brain or how does this camera change something that it's not touching? Right. Um, well, it does. We know that it does. For sure. And really, if you think about religion, that is that is all that religion is, is a belief in something that you actually can't see, that you just 
you sense or you feel or you believe or whatever exists, but you can't actually touch it. I mean, that's... Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a good way to look at it. My my stu- my major in college was religious studies, mm-hmm. and one of the big questions is what is religion? Mm-hmm. Not so much what is this religion. It's like what is religion itself? You know, is it a series of belief systems? Is it a you know ideology? Um, all of these different things, and I would say that um, yeah, one of my I guess it's a, I don't know if it's a pet peeve, but it's something I think is important to talk about when you ask the question, what is, how does acupuncture work? Mm-hmm. You know, what is acupuncture? What is the mechanism for this thing working or, or does it work at all? Is it just the placebo effect? Is it, is it hocus pocus? Is it snake oil? Whatever. Um, it's important to consider where that, you know, where are we asking that question from? You know, what right. do we, what do we consider to be the truth? Because that right. is part, right. that's definitely connected to religion, of course. Like, what is the truth? If we all agree on a particular truth, and that's trying to become more like a religion, and I think in the West, science has become more of a religion. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean just with, athe- you know, atheism as a belief system. Um, yeah, I just mean more that people think that if a series of studies says something, that it's true. But um, that can also be quite false because as we've seen, it depends who's yep. paying for the studies. It yep. depends who's doing Absolutely. the studies. It depends, you know, you can't do a double blind placebo on everything. Right. And that's the other thing. Chinese medicine does not, does not work well with studies because each case is different. Like you know, my, each body is each different. Each body's different. Yeah. We have a lot right. of similarities that people, I mean, it was ad nauseum. My teacher would always answer these questions with it's a case by case basis. Hmm. Almost like, why are you asking me this mm-hmm. stupid question? Right. Like, you already right. know what I'm going to say. It right. depends. It depends. It depends, yeah. Just because someone has a headache doesn't mean that this herb is good. So now so, that we've... Acupuncture... Yes. Right, is sticking needles. I yes. mean, that that is practically speaking what we're talking about, right? Totally, yeah. So let's get... Now Now that I've said all that, we'll get down to the, the needles. Yes. So we're using... Um, and for those of Mostly, us who are needle phobic, yes, it's not the happy time when yeah. the needles come out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, they're needles. You know, yep. they're very they're very thin. They're about the width of your hair, or maybe twice the width of your hair, but mm-hmm. very thin. I think I read somewhere you can fit hundred or two hundred acupuncture needles in one hypodermic needle through the. To wow. the hole of one hypodermic needle. Wow. So we're talking, people think of needles and they're thinking, you know, the shot at the doctor's office. Yeah. Not like that at all. They're very, <laughs> very thin. Mm-hmm. Um, so generally speaking, um, and they could be different sizes. It just totally depends on the area of the body. You know, probably on average, they're going about a half of an inch into the body. Into. And, and what are you trying to reach? That is a good question. So the efficacy of acupuncture is based off of finding the tender points and applying acupuncture to those points. Um, And the next part of that is that the treatment of acupuncture does not begin until you get the arrival of energy, or da qi is the Chinese Mm -hmm. Chinese, um, words for it. But the arrival of energy, and what does that mean? That means that you get a reaction. Something happens. 
Ah. People feel hot, they feel cold, they feel pressure, they feel... A twitch. A lot of people yeah. just call it pain because they're not used to it yet. Right. I have a lot of people, they just aren't used to it. They're, you know, they don't know what to call it. It does, right. and it can feel uncomfortable. Right. Um, that's not to say there isn't pain with the treatment sometimes. There, there can be. A lot of the straight up pain or like if you feel any sharpness, which does not happen all the time, is often in the skin layer. Like if you're going through the skin layer, there's a lot of nerves in our skin, of mm-hmm. course, and that can be, um, that can cause sharp pain. And that can actually be where a lot of the straight up pain comes from, which a lot of that is technique. You know, a lot of that is how good is the practitioner because a good practitioner will get through that skin layer quickly. Um, and I've noticed that, you know, when when you're working on me, the the initial, it's like the, the needle goes in and once you've hit the spot where I go, oh, yeah. and, and I can feel like a little frizzon of energy or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. That's within like, a couple of moments, that pain or whatever that yeah. reaction is gone. Yes. It's gone. Yeah. The needle is still there and yeah. there's something going on there, but yes. the pain is not there. Exactly. Yeah. So that's generally what happens is, you know, the initial reaction can be, you know, relatively strong. And and frankly, it depends. You know, I used to be a bit more... Uh, dogmatic or idealistic with my treatments you know i have a lot of people who are very sensitive so now i you know sometimes i'll use smaller needles i'll be very careful like i'll get very very minimal reaction um with some people who just aren't comfortable with it and that's you know i guess i've come to see it that that's okay that's just part of their that's part of their journey to to health you know right i mean my honest opinion yeah you want a strong reaction i mean that quote i said that's from the classic of chinese medicine that's from the that's from the ling su which is the it's all about acupuncture specifically mm-hmm. um so and it's what very that, important to get that reaction that stimulus and what is it doing what does that reaction mean yeah so i think um <laughs> that's a good question i think that I want to come back to this book, The Spark in the Machine. And to put this guy's entire, uh, you know, book into a relatively, you know, a synopsis of sorts. And I haven't even read all of it. So, you know, keep that in mind. But basically, a lot of it comes down to the fascia. You know, he says the fascia is very important. And the fascia is a thin casing of connective tissue that surrounds and holds every organ, blood vessel, bone, nerve fiber and muscle in place so it goes throughout our entire body and it's it Holds connects everything. everything together yeah and he believes that um these meridians these channels of energy so to speak he believes that these are all going through the fascia basically and they connect and that's why your leg can be connected to your liver or your mm-hmm. stomach or your spleen mm-hmm. um, and he believes that these acupuncture points are essentially um are almost like ley lines. They're particular places um, nice. of electricity. Yeah. Elect- like the way that I would look at it, and this isn't this isn't from his book, is that we have electricity that runs through our body. We're what seventy five percent, eighty percent water. So we're mostly water. Ooh. Water obviously conducts electricity, as <laughs> as we know quickly. Yeah, very quickly. <laughs> we're very good conductors of electricity, yes. and electricity can stop our heart. It can start our heart if yep. it's a stop. Um, and we also know that electricity moving creates a um, 
a magnetic field. Yeah, so we have an electromagnetic field in our bodies. I mean, we and we have iron in our blood. That's metal. Right. That is, uh, you know, and the Earth's lava has, or the magma also has iron in it, amongst other things. I mean, we're seeing connections between all of these different things. The Earth, of course, has a massive, you know, electromagnetic field. So the point being that I think The people who discovered Chinese medicine and acupuncture and all this different stuff, they were really doing, I think, a lot of experimentation. I mean, mm-hmm. Maybe it's possible they could see this visually, that they could see electromagnetic fields. Um, I'm not ruling that out. I mean, I really, I don't know. But right. I think more than likely what it is, is they were just experimenting cause and effect. What happens if I press here? What happens if I, you know, mm-hmm. press over there? You know, how can I help this particular situation? Kind of trying all of this, you know, different stuff. So... But I think that as science gets more and more evolved, we're going to see that disease in a lot of ways is um, when things stop moving. Yeah, and a lot of acupuncture is about getting things moving that should be moving. You know, we should be... And if you break the word disease, yes. you know, dis-ease. Yes. I mean, it's it's not at ease. Exactly. Right? Things are not moving the way they're supposed to be. Exactly. You know, and it's... um. For example, I had a headache the other day and uh, I did yoga and it fixed it, you know. Hmm. Why? Because it, it, um, got things moving. My energy was stuck. Yeah. My energy was right. stuck and it got things moving. You know, yeah. I could, maybe I could have gone for a run or mm-hmm. maybe weightlifting or something like that. But, anyways, I did yoga and mm-hmm. that's, and that stretching and all those, you know, the breathing and everything, it got things moving again and then the headache stopped. Pain is almost always the result of stuck energy. Yeah, and the thing, um, and as far as the energy thing is concerned, if people are thinking, oh, well, that's just like, what is this energy? How do you find this under a microscope? You know, what is the scientific explanation for this? I mean, everything is energy. Yeah. You know, e- Einstein, E equals MC yes. squared. Energy <laughs> right. is matter, matter is energy. These things can yep. be interchangeable, you know. Um, you know, like a nuclear bomb, you do the right you do the right thing with matter and you have a lot of energy yeah. being released. Exactly. It's a very destructive force. So anyways, th- the way that I've, uh, that I like to look at it is that the energy is pulling the blood. Yeah. And the blood is housing the energy. Yeah. So it's almost okay. like a mother son yeah. relationship where the blood is the, sort of the mother mm-hmm. of the energy. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause the energy needs something to attach to. Mm-hmm. Just like the electron needs something to revolve around, you know, when it comes to an atom, just on the basically the smallest scale. So, um, if we're looking at it from a physics perspective, the the energy is moving the blood. You know, there's something that's moving that blood around. Of course, it is our heart pumping, but, right? Right. But the heart is also has uh, electrical impulses in it. You know, so. And the reason why the blood is so important is because the oxygen is in the blood and the oxygen is what is actually the healing whatever. Totally. If you ask my teacher, some of the stuff I said my teacher probably wouldn't agree with. I think he would, he says it pretty simply, which is that at the end of the day, it just comes down to blood circulation. The blood is what's delivering the nutrients. It's delivering the oxygen. Energy has probably something to do with those two things and how they're acting on the body. At the end of the day, the acupuncture and the herbs, we want to get nutrients and oxygen to the various places in the body that are deficient in them, that for whatever reason, they're not getting it. 
I mean, he puts it that simply. Um, he's a pretty matter of fact. It's more like this. It's it's not so much he's not interested in the esoteric, you know, difficult to understand concepts, some of which I've kind of glossed over, but he just tries to make it simple, just make it understandable and make it true, make it workable. Right. So, and I can, I can understand that, you know, perspective yeah. as yeah. well. And I would say that, you know, why haven't I finished this book? It's because I don't, I don't need to know why it works. You know, I only care that it does work. Yes. And I, and the thing that um, I realized, you know, a long time ago when I was in school is that I want to study this from the perspective of somebody who is sort of embedded in Chinese culture as much as possible. I mean, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm white. I'm from the, I'm from the United States. You know, I'm not fluent in Mandarin. I've studied some Mandarin, but the point is, I didn't want to study it from the perspective of a Westerner as much as I could from that philosophical standpoint. I wanted to study it as somebody who, um, yeah, was just immersed in it, like all the way though. Right. You know, just taking the concepts for what they are and then, uh, um, and using that philosophy to to do Chinese medicine. Yeah. You know, and and. And I'll give an example, you know, I had a lot of classmates and they get really into, my school's very much into research and, you know, I, could, <laughs> I wrote this paper on this for a scholarship. I, I didn't get the scholarship because, because, you know, I just kind of run a bit contrary to what that school's trying to do, to be honest, which is they're trying to integrate the Chinese medicine and Western medicine. And, and, uh, Might be I think that oil that's and great. water. <laughs> I think that's great that some people are trying to do that, but yeah. it's, it's not for me. And, it's be, mm -hmm. and and part of the reason why is that it gets way too convoluted. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, I had I had a I was observing a classmate do um, um, treat this person in the clinic. I didn't have somebody in the slot, so if we you know if we had an empty space and we would observe right. one of our classmates in the clinic. And she had this patient who had a lot of problems, you know, some of which were digestive problems, definitely stress problems, energy problems, thyroid problems, all of this stuff. And so, you know, my my classmate was, it's, <laughs> anyway, she was she was very much into the integrative aspect of it. In fact, I would say more that she was more interested in using Chinese medicine from the perspective of a Westerner, mm -hmm. which a lot of people do. And I'm, you know. But anyway, so what happened was is that she said, oh, well, this herb is really good for these symptoms that she has, mm -hmm. right? And like, that's a very Western way to use anything, you know? Right. It's like, okay, they have a headache, they have low energy, I'm going to give this herb. It's, you know, the yeah. herb was Shudi, Shudi Huang, which is Romania. And it's a great herb, but the thing about it is it's very heavy, very, very heavy, very sticky. If you look at it, it's like mm -hmm. black are mm -hmm. very hard to digest and this patient has really bad digestion already so you would you would never use that herb yeah ever 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 it's if right. you read any you know good text it would tell you you know if they have digestive problems you have to be very careful using this right. herb and so you know she gave her this formula i i said i thought it was wrong mm -hmm. you know just straight up um and it was she had really really bad diarrhea it really messed her up mm -hmm. and and that's just an example of why you really have to be careful. Because using, it's all connected. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It's like to do Chinese medicine correctly, you have to take into account all the different variables. Mm -hmm. You know, so like Shudi Huang, Romania, that herb is a tonic, um, which sounds great 
to uh, in the West, everyone's thinking, I love tonics. You know, add energy, <laughs> add blood, add yin, add yang, add yeah. just give me more good stuff, yeah. right? That's a yeah. very, you know, that sounds awesome, you know, and but uh, the problem is the tonics are generally very heavy mm-hmm. and they're hard for the digestion system to process. And in a more esoteric way, a lot of people say the tonics can to- tonify good and they can tonify bad. Of course. Which means that if you yeah. have a disease, it can also strengthen the disease. Right. So, which is not a good thing. No. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, anyways, so the bottom line is that I... um. I forget how this all started, but basically the... <laughs> it to do, to started do, with you oh, yeah, sticking needles yeah. in people. That's how it got started. So what, so what So what are we doing here? What am I doing? It's like, you know, I'm doing my best to be really a Chinese medicine doctor. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm not, I don't have an MD or a PhD, so I'm not a doctor, but that's mm-hmm. the way that I see myself is that somebody comes to me, they want help with this variety of different things. And my goal is to balance their condition um, as much as possible. And part of that is giving them the tools to be able to do it themselves. You right. know? And, my, and this goes back to the whole philosophy of medicine to begin with, which is that you know, we're supposed to be helping people, but we're also supposed to you know, get them to be self-sufficient. Right, right. And that's a major, and it probably, major thing I think about. Yeah, and it probably involves them doing some changing of their life yes. stuff, Absolutely. right? Their habits, because yes. their habits are what got them there in the first place. Yeah, ninety nine percent of the time, the habits is what got them right. there in the first place. You know, I mean, mainly I see lack of exercise, mm-hmm. um, bad diet. Yep, definitely. Yep. Stress. And stress. Yes. Yeah, those are probably the main three. Yep. I would say if 99% of people fix those three, then they would, most of their health problems would go away. So, or be complete, you know, very drastically right. reduced. And they wouldn't need me anymore. And I tell people that all and the that's time. That's what yeah. you, you actually want is yes. for them to be healthy enough that they don't need to come to see you yes. on a regular basis or they come yes. for a tune up or, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people come for tune ups. I'm okay with that. You know, I think that, frankly, my goal is to drastically reduce people's problem in six visits. Nice. So that's my goal, which is, um, and it depends on the situation. You know, right. frankly, a lot of my clients are older. You know, yep. a lot of my clients are 50, 60 years 70s. older or more. Yeah. And the reality is conditions are harder to treat when they're chronic. Yep. Older people are... Um, it's harder to treat things. That's yeah. just the reality, you know. And we're chronically stubborn about changing our <laughs> our habits. <laughs> but that said, people still get very good results. I have a yes. lot of people who come for tune-ups. You know, most of my clients, they see me about six times once a week. And mm-hmm. then then we start reducing, you yep. know, every two yep. weeks, every month. Yep. And then a lot of people stick with that. Some people I haven't seen in a year or two. I don't, wow. you know, they're... So yeah. if we have people who are listening to this and yeah. they are liking what they're hearing, how, how do they get in touch with you? Um, so they can... What is your name anyway? My name is Forrest, <laughs> Forrest Amsden, A-M-S-D-E-N. So ForrestAmsden at gmail.com. Forrest is with one R. And then my, my phone number is 541-285-2366. So, and that's my... And your office. That's my cell number. That's my business number. Right. You know, one thing, people can call me or text me anytime. Um, 
and I'll get back to, you know, people when I can, but, you know, I, generally my hours are one thirty to six on weekdays, but okay. I've seen people on weekends. I've seen people in the mornings if I need to. Ooh, um, ooh. I try to be kind of that old, kind of that old school traditional doctor. If somebody really needs help, then I will do my best to be there as quickly as possible to, to help them out. And I, yeah. I really see you as a healer as opposed to, you know, the, the whole Western medicine doctor stuff, you know, it just feels to me like what you're interested in is healing people. No, I appreciate you saying that. I think from, from my perspective, I really believe that everybody has the power to heal themselves naturally. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, uh, it's a matter of facilitating that process. I really look at myself as more of, of a guide and Mm -hmm. I think, you know, people talk about the placebo effect, you know, the power of the mind. What does that tell you? That tell you that tells you that we have the power to heal ourselves with literally our thoughts yep. and our feelings yep. and our emotions and whatever all of that, that things that you wanna call it. it's not a bad thing. The placebo no. effect is not a bad no. thing. It's not something we want to eliminate. It is a very real thing. Um Frankly, most people that come to see me, they get results. Some are usually very good ones. The few people that I have not been able to help, most of them, I, it's not that they doubted me, it's that they doubted their own ability to heal. Yep. That really is it. I have a lot of people who doubt me when they first come in, oh, this is gonna work, they're really skeptical. And then oftentimes those people respond really quickly. Um, yeah. I, I think that's absolutely true yeah. because I'm one of them, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm the princess in the pea. I'm the one that says, no, nah, no, nah, this isn't going to work, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We're, we have just about run out of time. It, you know, it's yeah. just, it goes. I don't so, know how an hour went by. I know, right? It always is like that. All right, Forrest, give them your phone number one more time. Sure. 541-285-2366. Great. Um, and I, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a real delight to be able to talk to you about this stuff. Usually I'm just going, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. And It's really a delight. It really Call is. me if you have any further questions. I know it may seem like I maybe evaded some of them, but really I just think it's more complicated than a simple black Absolutely. and white answer. But, Absolutely. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And I want to thank, thank you for you. having me on. Absolutely. And I want to thank you for tuning in. As a young person, I'd often hear people of my parents' generation say that if you have your health, you have what's important. Only as I age do I start to really understand that. I'm Candace Michelle, and this is our community. 